is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset College, underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Psych! Those guys are off this week. Caleb Henry filling in for the fellas as we give Cole and Matt the week off. You will hear from them a little bit later in the program as they had a chance to sit down with Brian Buscini. And that will be our position preview looking at the specialists a little bit later on. We're also going to be talking with Joe Hudson, who operates and writes and does just about everything else you can imagine for Husker Max and our friends over there. And that will be a fun conversation as we are coming up on the 100th anniversary of Memorial Stadium. That's set to be celebrated when Nebraska takes on Northwestern this fall. But you got to go through all the decades to get there, and he's done a really good job of keeping up on or keeping us up on what exactly each decade looked like, and a number of records that were there, the highs and the lows, and he'll take us through all of that. But first, I would just want to do a few quick hitters for you, Coach Matt Rule, as we are 54 days out from the start of the Rule era. Had a conversation with ESPN, and he told them that his time with the Panthers was a purifying fire. He said, uh, quote, I learned very much to worry about what matters. I have a focus and a desire in me. I watched what my kids had to go through in Carolina, and we're not going to let them go through that here. So as you see a lot on social media, a lot of talk about what happened in Carolina, he is trying to have learned from that experience, and that's what you hope you get from anybody in any experience. Nebraska right now sitting 15th in the 2024 recruiting rankings, have 23 commits for that. That puts them, like I said, 15th nationally and in the Big Ten sitting at 5th behind Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Penn State. You've got NBA Summer League action going on right now. Sam Greasel and Delano Banton both playing for Boston as that is underway. The Nets get... Trey McGowan's, Isaiah Roby playing with the Knicks. Bryce McGowan's actually got things going last night with the Hornets in a loss to the San Antonio Spurs in the debut of Victor Wenbanyama. McGowan's came off the bench, scored 15 points. That was one off the team high in 28 minutes of work there. Nebraska track and field competing at the USATF Championships up in Eugene, Oregon. They've got a whole host of folks up there but they already have a national champion from just the other day. Maddie Harris threw a personal best, 199 feet, 3 inches, to take the national title at the USATF Championships up in Eugene, Oregon. Nebraska native, and she actually went to Nebraska for a little bit before transferring to Texas A&M. Two-time Olympian Maggie Malone took second in that event there. Several other Huskers still set to go throughout this weekend. You've also got uh, other Huskers that are competing in the Jamaican Championships, and you have some others that have already qualified to go to the World Athletics Championships, and that, that's kind of what you're competing for in these championships. You have to you have to place a, a certain in a certain spot, top three, as well as having met a world ranking and qualifying standard. So you still wait to see how all of that shakes out. But congratulations to to Maddie Harris on her throw just the other day. And then elsewhere in the Big Ten Conference, Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald has been suspended for two weeks without pay for alleged hazing claims within the football program. And he will take that suspension over the next couple of weeks. Not going to impact, unless he does get let go, that won't impact his coaching this fall. But like I said, we're diving in to Memorial Stadium through the decades with Joe Hudson, who's been operating Husker-related websites since 1995. Eventually, that became what we all know and love as Husker Max. Joe, welcome to the KLIN Husker Hour. Thank you. Glad to be here. So for, for folks that, that maybe aren't familiar, what, what all does Husker Max have going on right now? Well, right now, excuse me, my <clears throat> little horse this morning. Uh, 
Well, not much. <laughs> this, this is probably the deadest part of the year. Uh, you know, there's no more spring drills, no more NFL draft. Uh, it's kind of quiet. About recruiting is about the only thing going on and, and just uh, looking forward to, you know, the fall camp. Well, if anyone ever does venture over to HuskerMax.com, they've got a whole bunch of fresh links, not just from stuff that that – the Husker Max guys have written. We contribute to that here at KLIN, and it covers anyone who's written it, whether they're TV, online, paper, whatever it is. There's links to all of the things happening in Husker Nation. You can also find a bunch of forums. You can find all kinds of old games, old records, and just about anything you would need to follow the Huskers past, present, and future with the recruiting on there as well. But one of those things, Joe, that you've been taking us through is this because we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of Nebraska playing in Memorial Stadium, and it has looked very different over those 100 years. And you've gone, one of the pieces that you did that I found very intriguing was decade by decade. Uh, what, what, what prompted you to, to want to look at Memorial Stadium in this way as we get to that 100th anniversary? Well, it, it kind of just unfolded all by itself, I, I decided <clears throat> last year or last spring, uh, I knew we were coming up on the 100th season in, in the stadium, and which is a little different from the actual 100th anniversary, right. which is this, this coming season. Uh, you know, and I noticed that nobody was really doing anything about that, uh, recognizing that. And so last Memorial Day of 2021, uh, that's when I kind of started it, it, you know, the memorial theme of both the stadium and Memorial Day, you know, kind of dovetailed. And so it it started with a little introductory uh, article on Memorial Day weekend. And then then I decided, well, I'll, I'll look through. I'll go through each 10-year span, you know, 1923 to 32 and 33 to 42, et cetera. Maybe a, a game or two from each each decade. And it, it just <clears throat> it kind of spun out of control. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I decided two, one or two games <clears throat> was not enough. And so it it became a, a huge uh, time suck for me, but <laughs> but at the same time, it was really interesting, especially those earlier years that you're not all that familiar with. Well, that, that seems like that's any time we do go into, hey, I've got this idea for something I'm going to write. Oh, man, this needs to be a lot bigger than what I was kind of looking at. Um, so those early years, we'll actually... We're going to hit a quick break as we continue to talk with Joe Hudson from Husker Max in the Memorial Stadium through the decades. We'll get to those first couple of decades when we come back on a KLIN Husker Hour. Listen weekday mornings from 6 to 9 on 1499.3 KLIN. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Caleb Henry filling in for the fellas this week. Gave him a nice little midsummer weekend off. You can follow me on Twitter and threads, I guess, because that's a thing now. That's a thing that we all have to be aware of. See if that ever blows up. I, Caleb Henry, just like the iPhone, the little I at the front, and then Caleb Henry, Caleb with a K. And you can find me on just about every social media platform with that there. Don't forget, you can always interact with us here at KLIN on the KLIN text line, 402-479-1400. As we go through these decades at Memorial Stadium, learn a little bit, maybe reminisce a little bit as we get to some of the memories, let us know if you've got any questions or if there's any particular memory that you have with some of these as well, and especially if you have any of these early ones, 402-479-1400, as we continue along with Joe Hudson from Husker Max. Joe, the that stadium, as we said, 
100th, 100th season this past year, 100th anniversary coming up this year, and that takes us all the way back to 1923 for the origin. That's right. I don't, I don't think there are any listeners uh, with memories of that first game. <laughs> uh, you know, what I found fascinating is, you know, they broke ground on that stadium in late April of 2023, and they were playing a game there in October. And can you imagine that? I mean, uh, <laughs> that is pretty fast work. And uh, that's that's one thing that's that I find pretty fascinating. That that would never happen <laughs> nowadays. Well, uh, also you would have now, Joe. If you were to do any <clears throat> kind of a stadium project, it would have to be you knock that out between the spring game, or you have you block those seats off like they had a little bit for this spring game. And you have to get that done before the season starts. And obviously this year you start out with two games on the road. But you wouldn't be able to go, oh, yeah, we're going to work on this stadium. And then when you get to October, hey, we're going to open the stadium. You would just continue to have them play somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyway, the, those early years, uh, the first game was against Oklahoma, which is kind of interesting. And uh it's a pretty well-known bit of trivia now that, uh, that Nebraska actually wore blue jerseys in that game. Uh, it was kind of a, some some sort of courtesy to Oklahoma so that they could Oklahoma could wear their red jerseys. Interesting. And so that's your first the first game at Memorial Stadium, and also the perhaps the first game with. Alternate uniforms. <laughs> now that would be very interesting if you started to roll out some alternates and they came out and they were blue. <laughs> well, it would be justified. Hey, yep. they're throwbacks to the first uh, first game at Memorial. Uh, anyway, these early years uh, are pretty fascinating because you had some legendary figures. I think you know the four horsemen playing in Lincoln, you know, uh, Red, Red Grange playing in Lincoln. Uh, you know, we had our own stars like Ed Weir. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a, you know, the so-called golden age of sports. And you had the, the flowery sports writing. You know, from, <laughs> yep. You know, people, uh, Grantland Rice and and people trying to emulate him, and so uh, it's it's just a a lot of it's just a window back in in time to look at look at those old games and the descriptions of them, and I I really got a kick out of going through these first couple of decades. So that and, first decade from from 1923 to 1932, the record at home 35 five and seven. And overall went 56, 19, and 10. Had conference titles in 23, 28, 29, 31, and 32. Now, that was the Missouri Valley Intercollegiate Athletic Association and then the Big Six Conference. And you had three different coaches over that time span as well with Fred Dawson, Ernest Berg. And that, that's right. the thing. I was like, I got to make sure I pronounce some of these. And then, of course, Dana Bible. That's right. So that that takes you through that first decade. Now the second decade, you start to roll into we we all know what's starting to happen economically across our country, but 1933 to 1942 for the Huskers, the second decade at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and it was you know, they did they did pretty well on the field, really, and uh and in fact you know, during this time, you know, the first Associated Press polls came out, and Nebraska was right up there. Uh, and uh, let me uh, go to that page and refresh my memory on some of the, the facts here. I don't know them right off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, you had 
uh, you know, like I said, they were ranked in the in the top ten that first year, and were in every poll. They uh, and all Americans uh, galore, I would say, not quite like the 1990s, but like George Sauer and Sam Francis, who was an Olympian, and uh, several others. They, this was this was the big, you know, the, the, the big deal. It was going to that Rose Bowl after the 1940 season, and you know, people talked about that for the next 25 years. You know, it was. Uh, it was a huge deal, and you know that, that was something. People of my age, uh, you, your your parents would talk about that, mm -hmm. and uh, and by my age, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm, I'm I'm in my late sixties, so so I kind of live the uh, the whole the whole Devaney era on forward. Mm -hmm. That's that's my focus, but my parents. You know, they they were the ones who remembered, you know, the, the 30s and 40s and, and that stuff. But you had you had a pretty successful run by uh, Dana Bible. He, he got hired away by Texas, and then uh, Biff Jones came in and he took him to that Rose Bowl. Uh, but, uh, I think one of the probably the most fascinating game of this whole decade to me was Biff Jones' first game in 1937. It was a home opener against Minnesota, who were like the two-time defending national champs. And, and Nebraska got, you know, it's just this paltry total offense total, you know, but they somehow, you know, made all the right defensive stands at the right time and mm -hmm. they pull out this big upset and and Lincoln just went went nuts. I guess they were just <laughs> celebrations into the morning, people throwing stuff out at hotel windows. <laughs> yeah, it was so it was no wild different stuff. than today. <laughs> exactly. uh, Joe, you have a really interesting paragraph in the second decades right up, and it says, World War II did to Husker football what the Depression could not. The talent pool dried up at Nebraska, while certain other schools could tap a healthy supply of football-playing military cadets. Coaches came and went, thus began a Husker tailspin as you get into the 40s. And a really good note in here, as you start to go through names that everybody knows and us being on radio, that is when, in 1942, it might have been the debut of Lyle Bremser on radio play-by-play -play for the Huskers. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten that that was part of this. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Lyle was, was an institution for sure. And, you know, people can recite his... Description of Johnny Rogers punt <laughs> return against Oklahoma, word for word. You know, it's uh, yeah, he's he had a way of just injecting his enthusiasm, and uh, boy, it, yeah, that used to. I've heard it so many times now that punt return that uh, it doesn't affect me like it, it used to, it, it would kind of give me chills, you know, right. Uh, uh, but yeah, and over those years, thirty-three to forty-two, home record of thirty-four, sixteen and three. Overall, fifty-eight, twenty-nine and five conference titles in thirty-three, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven and forty. Before we get to the break, the third decade, forty-three to fifty-two, and you're really in the meat of that World War II and the fallout from that, and how that affects the Husker program. Yeah, that's right. This was. Uh... This was pretty dreary stuff for the most part. Uh, you know, they just, they couldn't recover, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, the hit they took from World War II. Uh, they had kind of a revolving door of coaches. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we had this 1950 season that was just came out of nowhere. 
Bobby Reynolds just came out of nowhere. Well, he was a sophomore and he couldn't play as a freshman back then. Uh, but, but boom, just just like that, they were they were just ringing up points like you wouldn't believe. And uh, this this season was was just a total outlier uh, for this decade. But but it was really something. I mean, he uh, Reynolds had this spectacular year. And then, you know, junior and senior years, he just had one injury and then another. And, and so it was really just uh, not much went well for him after his sophomore year. But boy, boy, what a year that was. Besides Reynolds, you also had All-Americans during that stretch of Jerry Minnick and Tom Novak. There's a name that should jump in everybody's face. Home record, 19-26-1. Overall record, 32-57-2. Went through several head coaches over the course of that decade. Well, Joe's going to stick around with us. We're going to get to more of Through the Decades at Memorial Stadium coming up on the 100th anniversary of Memorial Stadium. Going to start to get into... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. And PeopleTogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Continuing along our conversation with Joe Hudson from Husker Max going through Memorial through the decades. We are into that fourth decade, 53 to 62, Joe. And we start to get into where is Bob Devaney? Yeah, he's uh, here at the very last year of this uh, ten years, but uh, but the other nine years were kind of a continuation of the, the previous decade. You know, just just kind of a lot of losing seasons. Uh, although you did have uh, Bill Glassford taking them to the to the Orange Bowl, uh, which was possible only because. Oklahoma couldn't repeat. It was just a stupid rule they had back then. Uh, so they were, you know, Nebraska was actually second in the conference, but they went to the, uh, the Orange Bowl and uh, Oklahoma stayed home. And you had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, I'd say the, the biggest feature of this, of this span was Bill Jennings' mm-hmm. t- tenure. Uh, he was there for five years and uh, you know mostly they were bad uh, but then they were they would pull off these crazy upsets uh, every once this out, out of the blue and and that upset of Oklahoma in 59 was a little bit before my time as a fan but but that's another thing that besides that 19. 19- 40 Rose Bowl that everybody was, the parents were always talking about, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, so you had kind of this, uh, you had 20 years really of this mostly, you know, middling to bad football. And then in 1962 arrives with, with Bob Devaney and boom, just an instant turnaround. 
Yeah, before we get to that next decade, this decade here from 53 to 62, the only one in the 100 years of Memorial Stadium that did not produce either a conference title or an All-American. Every other decade so far, well, up until this last decade, as a matter of fact, uh, has produced up until the 10th decade at Memorial Stadium, all the others besides 53 to 62, produced at least a conference title in an All-American. And now we do get into that Bob Devaney era. 63 to 72, a couple of titles on the tail end of this one, Joe. This started to get real exciting for Husker fans. Absolutely. And, you know, this is kind of where I came aboard my first season. My, the first game I ever paid any attention to was the, the 64 the bowl game after the 64 season, they, they lost in the Cotton Bowl to uh, Arkansas. And uh, in the uh, 65 season, I was just totally immersed in it. It was like, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I went from <laughs> not paying any attention to to just being glued to the radio every every Saturday. And... And that was the thing back then, you know, hardly any games were on TV. So you you were listening on the radio and, you, you know, you had a choice. Several stations carried the games and different play-by-play uh, play play guys. Uh, but definitely Lyle was was the go-to one for, for most people. But you also had, through the years, it, it changed. You had Joe Patrick and Russ Baldwin. Who else? Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah. They uh, uh, as I as I did this series, uh, I think what always was most interesting to me was learning about stuff that I c- couldn't actually remember mm-hmm. from my own memory. So uh, these first few years. 62 or 63, 64 were actually a little more interesting to me than the, <laughs> the stuff that was uh, already in my memory bank. Uh, but yeah, you got, uh, you had the, you know, Devaney's instant success, and then you had a couple six and four years, and the offense was pretty, pretty unremarkable. Uh, and he turned the offense over to, Tom Osborne in 69, 70, 71, uh, they really bounced back in, in a huge way. 49-8 and eight at home, 92-18-2 overall, eight conference titles in 10 years, two national titles. It's the first decade so far that you have just one coach over the entire span, a whole host of All-Americans, as well as some major trophies winners within that. And, of course, you have that Heisman with Johnny Rogers in the middle of that as well. That takes us into the sixth decade, 73-82, to 82, and the dominance continues for the Big Red. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this includes, uh, this coincides ex- exactly with uh, Tom Osborne's first 10 years. And, you know, that was defined by you know, pretty, pretty good success, except, you know, he uh, had trouble beating Oklahoma. And <laughs> uh, although the last, last couple of years of this, Span he he did beat them and then, uh, but the most uh, the most unfortunate thing was uh, from a fan's perspective and uh, was that nineteen seventy eight season when he finally did beat Oklahoma and it was just an absolutely hard hitting thrilling game uh, and Barry Switzer has said. That was probably his best team. Just Billy Sims, mm-hmm. back and, and uh, they pull off the upset. And it was uh, the schedule that year was a little different than usual. And this was not the last game of the season. And they still had Missouri to play. And you know they were. It was not supposed to be a problem beating Missouri, but. 
they lost and uh 35 31 i think it was and yeah if they had if they had beaten missouri they, they would have been in a bowl game for the national championship and but instead they uh get sent to the orange bowl well they they were already going to go to the orange bowl but uh now their orange bowl opponent was guess who oklahoma <laughs> got to play him again and so uh <laughs> that was i would say you had one of the the most the best games ever you know uh, one week at morning right. stadium and then one of the biggest downers like the very following week it was oh man <laughs> I, I i still <laughs> oh i still just shake my head uh, thinking back on that well that decade as, as you said the first for tom osborne and you didn't see the the national titles but you you saw finishing in the top 10 several times there were a few shared conference titles home record of 54 10 no ties in memorial stadium 96 24 and two overall a number of all-americans in there and remington of course getting a major trophy before we had to break we'll get that seventh decade 83 to 92 and a chance for some other national titles real close on them in this decade yeah, you know, everybody remembers 83, the scoring explosion. And, you know, they could have just saved a few of those points for the, the bowl game against <laughs> Miami. Uh, you know, we're talking national championship. Uh, it was, uh, you know, during the 80s, they, they had some really good really good teams with uh but again oklahoma after you know nebraska was able to beat oklahoma for two or three years in the early 80s and then oklahoma came surging back mm -hmm. and so they were kind of a, a thorn in the side again and uh, you know they pulled off this crazy comeback to to beat Nebraska in, in uh, 86 at, at home. Uh, that was one of the most frustrating losses uh, against Sooner Magic. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they pulled that one out with a couple of passes to Keith Jackson. And that was another really frustrating loss. Joe, within this decade, you talk about that, that Orange Bowl against Miami. That 1984 Orange Bowl, end of the 83 season, that's where you get an entire state now of of high school coaches, and it doesn't matter if they were alive or not. There is now an emphasis on if you get to the end of a game, you go for two and you go for the win. That one decision by Tom Osborne changed the mentality and forged the mentality of an entire state for multiple generations, now almost 40 years removed. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, I hadn't thought of that, but it's uh, it's funny. Is uh, if you look back at uh, previous games earlier in his career, he actually did similar things, going for two. I can't remember the exact year. It would have been like seventy three, seventy four against like Iowa State or some something like that, and uh, he, he pulled. You know, uh, and similar decisions where, uh, you know, they lost by a point instead of, uh, you know, uh, tying or, or winning by a point. But that was, of course, that was more, uh, more front and center <laughs> happened in the uh, national championship game. Yeah, a little bit. Home record 59, 6 and 0, overall 99, 22 and 1 few conference titles, a couple of them shared in there. You've got the names of Rogier, Steincooler, Shields, Noonan, Fryer, all kinds of guys that you really start to recognize in there. Well, we're going to wrap up our look at Memorial Stadium through the decades. We've got three more to go, and of course, what happened through those 90s, and then you get to the aughts and... Your promo to try it free for a month, but you have to go to abcmouse.com slash radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com slash radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. 
giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Wrapping up our look at Memorial Stadium through the decades. We're into the final three. We're into the seventh decade now. And now this really gets to, at least for me, I was born in 90. So I'm starting to have vivid memories of the things going on. But that seventh decade, as we talk with Joe Hudson from Husker Max, seventh decade, you get national titles, the end of the Tom Osborne era. You get into Frank Solich. You've got a future Nebraska athletic director playing for Big Red as an All-American conference titles, an insanely good record. Uh, tell us about the 90s up to 02. Yeah, they, they did okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, you know, <clears throat> there's not a lot I need need to tell you about this because, you you know, you probably already know everything, you know, most fans do anyway. Uh, the national titles and the All-Americans and Hall of Famers, and you name it, that stretch from 1993 to 97, uh, just an incredible, only three losses, that, that old stretch. Uh, uh, just, it's, uh, you know, It'll never happen again, and, but people think it should happen again, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> and of course, the, you know, it wasn't all, all uh, complete success because, you know, you had, you know, Solich had a little bit of a rocky start because he was the first one with, first coach with four losses in a season mm-hmm. uh, or uh, since 1968, you know, so uh, and then, of course, the 2002 season was was something that uh, seven and seven, you know, that was whoa. Uh, <laughs> you also, face. Joe, you also get in the middle of all of this that Rice game in 01, following right. the the fall of the Twin Towers and the attacks on 9/11. Right, that was a. Uh, that was a diff- difficult time, and they had to move that game, uh, if I remember right, to it. From Saturday to the following Thursday, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday night. And, yeah, that, that, and I believe that was that was the return of, uh, of sports, you know. Every, everything was on hold there for about oh, however many days, you know. And so, yeah, that was a pretty iconic moment, I guess. Over those ten deck or ten, ten decades, ten years, sixty-four <clears throat> and three at home, one hundred nine and nineteen overall, five titles, a bunch of All Americans, all kinds of major trophies winners, and you had the end of the Tom Osborne era rolling into Frank Solich, three national titles over the course of that time as well. And then really quickly, the the final two decades on on the first 10, you get to the ninth decade, 55 and 15 at home, 85-45 overall. Still got a few All-Americans, but there's no more conference titles. You get Indomitian Sue doing all kinds of things. He goes from Frank Solich to Bill Callahan to Bo Pelini, and then the the final of the 10 decades. And this is where you get back to just like you had – uh, way back in the, the 40s to 50s, I believe it was, or maybe it was 53 to 62, but you have no conference titles, no All-Americans from 2013 to 2022, from Pelini to Mike Riley, Scott Frost, and then a little bit of Mickey Joseph on the tail end for for those last 20 years here, Joe. Yeah, uh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, there were, listen, there were a lot of good games during this stretch, a lot of good Good seasons, even and uh, but you know it's these last four or five years have been <laughs> been really something to to uh, go through. Uh, it's it's just unimaginable. Uh, you know something you'd ask someone twenty or twenty five years ago uh, would this happen? You know it's just totally off the radar but you know 
Well, Joe, it's, if if I take something from from all of your work on this, it's this, and it's that there can be some rough years somewhere along the line for a program, but all it takes is one guy to come in and and make that culture right. And I don't know exactly if that's Matt Rule, and I know things are a lot different than they were. Oh, what was that? 60, 70 years ago when you can go through some big droughts, but all it takes is a flip of a switch if one guy can find that magic formula and it can make some things look really good and Nebraska was a big beneficiary of one guy finding that magic switch. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I don't know if that's if that magic switch is, is a harder thing to, to come by. Uh, now than it was in simpler times you know you got so many so many things to juggle now that you didn't back then and uh yeah but certainly we got sure like like to see them at least get back to being being competitive and uh you know but yeah it's, it's it'll be interesting to watch that's if you sure. if you guys would like to read any more on those those ten decades through Memorial Stadium coming up on the 100th <clears> anniversary, <throat> Joe Hudson has got some great write ups. Uh, you can find them on HuskerMax.com. Also, if you go to AllHuskers.com, that's the Fan Nation site that Husker Max contributes to. We contribute to as well here from KLIN. Well, Joe, thank you so much for taking us through all of those. I really appreciate it. That was intriguing, a fun trip down memory lane for a lot of those, and especially looking back at some of those older ones that a lot of us didn't even get a chance to live through. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Get a quality candidate within the first day. Now try ZipRecruiter free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash F-R-E-E. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Summer, we're moving into special teams. And uh, here with us to help break down uh, some of the special teams uh, that you can expect uh, this coming season uh, is Husker punter Brian Buscini. Brian, thanks a lot for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, and I'm just super excited for the season coming up. We've been working um, really, really hard in the weight room, and um, yeah, I just can't wait to get out there in front of all the fans this fall and you know show everyone what we can do. Yeah, I, I think the Husker fans are, are definitely raring to go as well, and it's been quite the off season for you guys since you beat Iowa to finish up the 2022 year. Uh, Matt Rule is announced the next day. Staff changes. Uh, what, what's this offseason just been like for you in particular and, and the team as well? Yeah, man, it's been incredible. I can't even begin to um, explain how how much um, they've poured into us as a team, um, how much um, Coach Campbell has meant to me in terms of helping me get my body right. Um, the work ethic I can see um, that our coaches have um, it's really bled down into the team, and you know I see guys doing things that um, I never thought were possible last year. Um, we've been working super hard. Some guys are transforming their body. Um, we got a chance to do some really special things, and um, we're really starting to believe that. And um, yeah, I'm just super excited for the season. And um, the off season's been about you know getting our mobility right, getting our bodies right, but also building our team together, um, becoming closer with each other, building that brotherhood, and um, that's something that. Um, when you get out there on the field, if you know the man you're playing next to better than um, you used to, you know you're going to play harder um, for that man because you know um, the ins and outs of his life. And so that's kind of a big thing um, that we're trying to build as well. Brian, I've been to a couple of your press conferences, and it's no secret that you are a punning savant. I think that you probably know more about punting than maybe any person in, in Nebraska history in terms of, you know, watching punters and watching film and, and the understanding you have of just the art of doing it. So I got to ask, when when did that come about? When did you kind of kind of fall in love with, with punting? And, and when did you start kind of taking it as something that, you know, incredibly seriously and that you're always, like, absorbing? Yeah, Um. well, my... I had a really hard time in high school, um, kind of not fitting in. And um, I would always just tell myself, you know, I'm never going to, you know, I'm not going to come back here. I'm not going to fall into this rut. I wanted to work really hard to get out of where the situation I was in and 
Um, so that's kind of where it started. Um, I always had big dreams of, you know, growing up in Montana, I wanted to go explore the world and, um, football is an avenue for me to do that. And so I walked on at Montana, um, my freshman year and just kept that work ethic and also kept those dreams. And, um, I've been fortunate enough to grow and get better. And, um, I think the work ethic side of things, um, just comes from, uh, the way I was raised kind of just trying to understand, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. Um, there's a lot of people I've met in my life that um, sometimes don't give full effort. And then a lot of times they don't give the, get the results that they're looking for. And so, um, if I can play football and, you know, make it to the NFL, um, I have to have that mentality right now. I have to have that work ethic right now because when the day comes and my last collegiate game is over, that's it. Like my time is done. And so, um, if I didn't put in enough work to have a good enough career in college to make the NFL, that's on me. You can't wait until you quote unquote get to the NFL to start working like you're an NFL player. You have to work like an NFL player even before that to get to that level. And so that's always been kind of my mentality. Um, I had a really hard time trying to find um, a major in college I liked my first few years. And so I was like, man, I just want to play football as long as I can because I love it so much. And so I almost thought about it as my job. Um, and so I'd put in hours and hours as if I was working full-time, just working drill work and stuff. And um, with that came connections. I was fortunate enough to meet Coach McCabe through one-on-one kicking. And um, he's a punting guru. He coaches tons of the best punters in the league, Johnny Hecker, A.J. Cole, Tommy Townsend. I mean, these elite punters. And um, So I went to a camp with him just before my freshman year at Montana. And some of the techniques that he changed were just revolutionary um, in my in my game. Him and Coach Matt Thompson, um, they've just been such a blessing to me. And so that's kind of how it started. And then once I was able to have a good year there, I started trying to network. Um, and then when I transferred out here, I was able to get Sam Cook's number. Um, and I've been able to message with him, a bunch of different questions I have. And now I've built up this portfolio where – I'm able to talk to at least a dozen guys who are in the league right now and some of the all pros who are, you know, Brett Kern just retired and some of those guys who um, are retired. But some of these questions that I have about, you know, my punting, I, I can direct towards these, you know, guys who have been at the highest of the highest levels. Um, that's just been a really blessing for me. So all of the um, knowledge that I might seem to have about punting comes from these guys and Coach McCabe and Coach Thompson and, so, um, yeah, it's just been a it's a growth process, and I'm trying to, you know, change things to get every little bit of my game as precise and repeatable and consistent as I can. Um, so I'm trying to shorten my steps this summer. I'm trying to have um, extremely, extremely efficient um, directional punting ability because um, that's, that's a huge thing for the NFL as well. Yeah, really insightful stuff here. This is uh, Husker. Hunter Brian Buscini joining us here on the K-Line Husker Hour, breaking down the special teams uh, through our summer position previews. Uh, Brian, Coach Foley has really endeared himself to Husker fans by the, the social media pics of his in-state high school travels. How's he endeared himself to you guys? What's his coaching style? How does he handle practice with the specialists and the special teams in general? Yeah, I think uh, he just brings a really professional approach, um, and I, I really appreciate Coach Foley. He's been um, a huge blessing in my life. Um, especially from the football side of things. Um, when it comes to the specialists, so he was with the Carolina Panthers, um, obviously, and they have uh, Johnny Hecker as their punter who will go down as the best punter in the history of the NFL when his career's done in terms of what he can do in the net punt game. He's got the number one net punting season of all time, and he's also got seven of the top um, 50 net punting seasons ever. Um, and so his ability um you know those stats speak for themselves but coach Foley was there for a year and was able to see his processes day in day out how he worked in the off season the consistency all these different things that um you know people just see how he plays on sunday and that that's a big thing but also how he works in the off season to get himself to the, that time and that's what he's really been um talking with me about is how i can be a professional day in day out 365 days a year um, and he's also brought the perspective of an NFL special teams coach in terms of what they're looking for in a punter. Because um, uh, there's 
I would say 99% of people in America don't understand, um, you know, punting very well. Um, for example, last season, um, Bryce Beringer from Michigan State um, had the number one average and the number one net average, and he was the first punter drafted. Um, he went to the Patriots, and um, rightfully so. He was the best punter in the country and, you know, should have won the Ray Guy Award. But the second punter drafted was Brad at Michigan State. And when you go and you look at all the stats, he would be like in the 40s in average. And that's all anyone ever looks at, but they don't look at direction and they don't look at hang time. And Brad's an elite directional punter with great hang time. And that's the type of punter I want to be in order to have a long, um, successful career. I talked with Brett Kern and Sam Cook, two guys that played in the league for over 12 years. And that's the number one thing is being able to punt the ball directionally because a lot of people just see guys who can kick it 50 yards down the middle and they're like thinking he's the best and all the awards go to those college punters who do that. But the best punters are able to have elite direction and those guys last in the league for a long time. And that's kind of what Coach Foley's been harping um, on me about is just being able to directionally punt. And he's like, I promise, you know, it'll pay off. You might not get the super flashy college awards and all this and that. Um, but you're going to be an elite, elite punter, and you're going to be a weapon for our team if you can eliminate those returns. Brian, we got about a, a minute left with you here, so so I'll lead you out with this one. It seems like there's going to be a kicking competition between uh, you know incoming freshman Triscan Alvano and, and current kicker Timmy Bleak Road, and I know that you're going to have a very unique perspective on that. So, what do you think? You know, w- what is your role? You think in that in that battle, and and, wh- and what kind of position would you will you be in when these guys try and duke it out for for the one and only kicker spot? Yeah, I'd see my role. Um first and foremost, to just be a great teammate to everyone. Um, and as the holder, it's my job to give everyone a fair opportunity. So um, I need to not mess up any of the holds on any of those kicks. So each of them, um, you know, have a fair shot at the job. But um, with Tristan being a freshman, I can certainly be more of a role model or a helper to him and lead him um, more so than Timmy, who's older than me. But, um, you know, I love both those guys and they both uh, have different styles um, to their game. And um, I'm just excited to see how they both do. And, I mean, you know, the best kicker is going to be the one you know playing in the fall. And, yeah, we'll be excited to see who it is. That's Brian Buscini, Husker punter, who is uh, helping us break down special teams in our summer position previews here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Brian, hey, great stuff. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck here in the fall. And uh, we're looking forward to the rest of your career uh, as it goes on here in Lincoln. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me, and go Big Red. That was Cole Stukenholtz and Matt McMaster sitting down with Brian Buscini talking special teams on the position previews throughout the summer. Matt and Cole will be back next week. I've had a ball sitting down with you guys. Thanks, of course, to Joe Hudson from Husker Max taking us through the first 10 decades of Memorial Stadium when Nebraska hosts Northwestern. They will have the 100th anniversary. That, that's when that will be celebrated. 23 days until fall camp, 54 days until Husker football at Minnesota. You guys have a great Saturday, a great weekend, and go Big Red.